And you can have a day, a week, a month. You can have seven years. If somebody's listening to this right now and you feel like this for like seven years, I would need you to understand that's okay. People think, oh, well, I've been here for seven years. What the fuck's the point? You know, the point is you. You're the point. When you get a diagnosis of BPD at whatever stage in life you're at, it can be really overwhelming. On one hand, it's a scary reality to accept. On the other hand, it can feel really freeing. It can feel like something's been unlocked. The power that exists in knowing that you're not alone is so, so real. And you can use this power to propel yourself forward and cultivate joy in your life that you are so deserving of. Melanie's journey with BPD has been an exploration of self-discovery, resilience, and hope. Through her own experiences, she's discovered the transformative power of self-acceptance and self-love, inspiring others to embark on a similar path of empowerment. Something has brought you to this episode. Even if you're not formally diagnosed, it doesn't matter. Whether you're currently in the depths of despair right now, or you've been there before. This episode is for you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not for you, it's for you. Because if you've ever asked yourself, what is the point in trying to recover? You are the point. And this is your journey. So let's go. Quiet, not silent. I'm here with Mind Over Melanie. How long have you been on Instagram doing like your thing? Now I think you've amassed over 80,000 followers on Instagram. And I think that that is incredible. Um, you're, you've done a lot for the BPD community. This is seriously a wild card episode. And I'm, I'm just really excited to get to know Melanie. Can you briefly share your personal experience with BPD and like when you were first diagnosed? I believe it was like nine years ago, but I was definitely not talking about BPD nine years ago. It's interesting. I do recollect, I think it was about eight or nine years ago I was diagnosed. And my time with BPD, historically, I would say, you know, if we were to go back in time with BPD, I don't say it started eight years ago with my diagnosis, um, nor would anybody. The month before my diagnosis, um, I was in bed like for a full month straight. And that month was actually the same month of my birthday, which is the month of May, which is the month of BPD Awareness Month, which now I love and have an appreciation of. But that month before, I did not love and was definitely just stuck in this cycle of just lying there in my bed and didn't want to move. And but it was more so so confused 
Um, and that confusion was just that same confusion I had my pretty much my entire life. Um, at the time, obviously, I would would have no idea what BPD is. The same way you would hear like what, you know, you get a diagnosis of anything, you know, you have to understand that eight years ago, like it was, I didn't even know anybody who had it. I hadn't heard about it. This isn't like a news clip of anything at that time. So the month before, as I'm lying in my bed, um, on my birthday, I had seen this coach, this beautiful lady, and I was just so lost. And I just remember my sister being like, the coach isn't working. Nothing's working. Like, you're going to have to either go to the hospital or figure something out. And not just that month, my life. It was like, Mel, why are you being so you all the time? It's like, you know, I'm just I'm trying to figure this thing called life out. And um, so in that month, you know, I eventually got sent to Sunnybrook Hospital, which is you would know Sunnybrook, I think, because, yeah. you know, Toronto. So Yeah, I lived in Midtown. Yeah, I didn't mean like you would know the hospital, but <laughs> you didn't. No, I know which. I know which one. It, yeah, because yeah. Avery's ca Canadian, or you, yeah, so you would know it. Um, so after about a three and a half hour process of a diagnosis, and I'm reading these questions, like I remember how pointed they were and how specific they were about abandonment, and do you have a sense of like I just remember them and being like, yes, like what these questions are exactly how i'm feeling and like strangely specific and related <laughs> hmm. strangely are you reading what my symptoms behaviors my trait all of this stuff was just like right okay this was the part that was so interesting it's like this doctor leaves the room comes back and like sits down on a chair and like looks at me and goes you have borderline personality disorder and i just was like what <laughs> these things these things happen in life right with people and they they've heard of them before right you hear about these things but this i was like what in god's name is borderline personality disorder and we hear about these stories now because instagram and TikTok. but at eight years ago my sister has uh bipolar and bpd um my grandmother, uh, Ray, because if you do follow me on Instagram, you'll you'll That's see Ray. That's who Ray I is. I yeah, love that. I, yeah, and I've named my dog Mr. Ray because I thought Mr. was cute because it's yeah. like Ray can be girly. So we put a Mr. Yeah. in front of it. Yeah. But, you know, what's funny. It's like I knew bipolar, but eight years ago, even my sister didn't have the diagnosis of BPD yet. I was like, What? Like I looked at her it, square in the face and I was like, I have no idea what that is. So she hands me this like massive pamphlet. Like it was huge. And I just look at her. I'm like, I'm already overwhelmed. Right. Cause you're, you're at a hospital. Yeah. You feel, you feel the way you feel, which is a bag of shit. And I'm just kind of like, look lady, what do you want me to do with this? Look, getting any diagnosis is scary, but what isn't scary is knowing, you know what I mean? And I think that that's the difference. It's like fear. And I talk about fear, the topic of fear a lot. We have different fears in life. And I think as individuals, we 
can either create these fears or just like cross them down. And when we first get that information, we have a choice to like choose that fear and run away from it or choose that fear to accept it. And I think in the community with BPD, there's some that there's this overarching kind of fear around if I accept this, am I accepting all that disgustingness that comes around it? Or is it disgusting? And I was like, no, because it saved so many parts of confusion for me because I was so confused for so long about what the heck was going on. It doesn't mean what the heck was going on that wasn't good was like, okay, great. I've got this answer now. Everything's great. But it meant I've got this answer now. Everything has a possibility of being better. And that means that it has a possibility of being better and all the things that were great can be even greater. So it illuminated it. And people are like, what do you mean? BPD can be beautiful. It can be better. It can be great. It goes, yeah, it can, you know, and all the people who say differently are actually just uneducated, confused, and don't understand. And that's my individual take on it. Right. And so we have individual takes. And I always fight for the individual. If Avery likes to use a certain toothbrush, cool. Why does it matter to me what I think Avery should do? And that's the world I want to live in, that we each individually choose our own choices in life. It shouldn't matter to me what you do and what heals for you, you know? So I got that big ass pamphlet. <laughs> Right. And I was told that I had to figure it out, which again, that's really scary. Right. It's not your fault that you are emotionally reactive. You're more sensitive. You may have been gotten the diagnosis of BPD, but it is your responsibility at this point. It's your responsibility to either accept it or not. There's a reason you're listening to this episode. There's actually a reason that you're listening right now. So if right now what I'm saying to you is that you have a responsibility in this moment to change whatever it is that's hurting you, whether it's your own mind beating you up, whether it's the skills you keep saying you're going to do, whether it's things you're fearful of, it's your responsibility. It's nobody else's, which sucks to hear. Trust me, I don't want to hear it. Hard pill to swallow a little bit. It's so hard. But it's, it doesn't mean that it's bad. I want to ask you about, like, I want to delve more into how a diagnosis has helped you, actually, because I have heard a lot of messaging online. There's kind of this increasing attitude that BPD isn't real or that some people will say, well, I don't believe in personality disorders, stuff like that. And I understand the nuance. I am not, like, dismissing those opinions. Again, there's nuance around it. Like I've had, I have connected with a lot of people that are like, well, I don't believe that it should be called a disorder. I don't think it should be called a personality disorder, blah, blah, blah. Right. There are some people out there that are like, well, it's not even a disorder at all. It's just like normal. You know, like there's a lot of differing opinions. When you say that getting the diagnosis has helped you gain a sense of direction on, on like, you know, oh, I finally know what's going on with me and now I can move forward with this. That is how I felt about a diagnosis as well. I don't need to embrace this disorder and accept this disorder. 
um, as like I am flawed and my personality is completely flawed. But I do find that having a diagnosis has really helped me find a sense of community and also find a sense of direction on like what I need to work on and how I can how I can recover and and what I need to focus on. Right. And so I'm wondering, like, do you does that resonate with you? Like, do you find that a diagnosis has helped you a lot? So I I always I always wonder with individuals um, who are a little turned off by the words flawed and disordered. Is it the word? Is it the meanings behind those words? Yeah, like it's kind of there's a, a people have kind of assigned a negative connotation when really right. it's just a word. Disorder right. is not a dirty word. It's it just right. is. And but but you know what the funny thing is? Maybe for some people it is. And it yeah. goes back to that like individual healing. Brene Brown always talks about social comparison, but then she brings it back to connection versus versus social comparison. And I always go back to individual healing versus competition. And why I'm saying that is because sometimes people don't like the words flawed or disorder, but they don't mind emotion dysregulation or they don't mind borderline. And so I work with the individual. I don't work in as trying to fight the community. Mm. And I find right now as a community, what's better that we connect or that we compete. And so if somebody comes to me and they're like, I hate personality disorder, I go, but do you connect with the symptoms? Do you connect with fear of abandonment? Do you connect with feeling chronic emptiness? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then that's fine. That's how you individually feel. And I can't tell you how the fuck to feel. It's no one's job when they wake up in the morning to tell me how to heal. And nor is it my job training to be a therapist to be not culturally sensitive, not aware, not self-aware or not accepting. You know, it's interesting because splitting happens a lot of the time when we personally personalize somebody else's opinions or we get in that moment where we're not actually responding, we're reacting. And I've learned throughout the years, a lot of these are just reactions. They're not responses. They're our own perception of our own lenses of how we think the world should be. But just because we think the world should be a certain way and it's not, doesn't mean it has to be that way. It's the meanings I find behind the words that we keep pushing. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about um, questioning things. Albert Einstein said the people who question things in life, and I find a lot of people who identify with BPD, we have an addiction to reasoning. We're constantly questioning, well, should we be doing this? Why is that person doing this? Well, what if this happens? They're actually the most brilliant minds, the most creative minds. People with BPD are so creative, constantly questioning. Yes, there is an interesting way of saying we aren't flawed. We're not disordered. But... I also think if some people believe in their heart, it helps them, you know, to think about it like that, then who 
are the other people to tell them that that shouldn't work. Also, if it helps people to think that every single human is broken and that it's a normal functioning, that we're all kind of just broken, cool, it works for them as well. And that's my stance on it because I think we live in a world where everybody's telling each other what to think and that doesn't work either. Yeah, like there's this sense of like, well, you think this way and that's wrong because like, here's why it's wrong. And it's just like, okay, rejecting a BPD diagnosis or the concept of a diagnosis for these symptoms, rejecting that idea, it doesn't really hurt anybody in my opinion. Um, And for me, embracing the diagnosis, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm internalizing this sense of brokenness. Like just because I identify with BPD, that I don't reject the concept of a diagnosis and calling it a disorder. It doesn't mean that I have internalized this idea that I am a like fundamentally flawed human being. No, it's just maybe that's how for you, maybe that worked. Maybe DBT worked for you. And a lot of people can't, like, they just don't, the skills aren't working for them. The support groups didn't work for them. Like the groups didn't work for them, but they love mentalization therapy. And some people really hate mentalization therapy. They love transfer. Some people hate therapy in general. They're like, I just can't. In my opinion, where we as a society start kind of pushing on each other is that how does anybody feel about anything unless they try it for themselves? And so we watch all these videos, we listen to podcasts, but if we're hurting and we're suffering and we're on autopilot every day, just doing the same thing over and over again, and we're, we're kind of learning these autopilot habits, right? But what are your own values? What are your own habits? Unless you unlearn these autopilot habits. If you're just going to the same books, just say like, I just keep reading the same books and I don't even know if I like them and I'm living with chronic emptiness. If you get out of that, like this, out of this autopilot and you ask yourself, it's a little bit, ooh, like a little bit spiritual here. But if you like tap into kind of your heart center, which is like, you get a little bit still and you listen, Avery will know, like, you know, it, the depths of your heart, like, hey, I don't fuck with that. Like, and everybody with BPD that I've ever met, they just, they know when something's inauthentic. They know mm. when something smells bad. Yeah. They know when people are being fake. They know when somebody, they know when things are awkward, they feel it. It's like, they, it's just, we, we know it. Like, it's just something we have this weird, sick intuition. And so sometimes my husband's like, don't be a know-it-all in a nice way. He's like, don't, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Cause sometimes I use my, you know, my third sense, my like knowing all too much that I, I could be wrong sometimes, you know, that paranoia kicks in, Yeah. but we do have that ability, but we sometimes don't tap into that enough and trust ourselves. Because every person with BPD that I've ever met also suffers with self-love and self-worth. And that's what I wish people would tap into more, which is that you don't have to love yourself because God knows nobody really does on the planet. But if you tapped into that spot where we know when something just doesn't feel right, 
then you could tap into like, okay, I do know what I fuck with. I do know what I don't fuck with. And so that goes back to that, that question you're asking. Because if you do fuck with the label, cool. Who's it to somebody else to say that you shouldn't? And if you don't fuck with it, cool. That's a part of your healing. And if you don't believe in diagnosis, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all of that has to do with your heart center and nobody should tell you how to live your life. Totally agree. For me, I used to have a huge issue with if something made me really uncomfortable, um, I would start splitting instead of learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and sitting with that discomfort and being like, getting curious instead of like feeling this reactionary anger to the discomfort, right? So instead of like being like, oh, wow, fuck this person. I don't, I don't fuck with anything they're saying. This is really weird. Um, instead of that, I'd, I'd be like, okay, why am I uncomfortable right now? Am I projecting like really question? Like, why am I actually uncomfortable right now? Because this person, their opinion doesn't affect me. And I don't have to, no one's forcing it on me. You know, I see it a lot on in other places where like on tons of other platforms where someone's like, well, I don't agree with what you're saying right now. And, um, you know, here's why you're wrong. It's just like, OK, you don't have to be a keyboard warrior here. You can just Ding dong. be like, well, I don't yeah. I don't quite agree with that. So I'm just going to stop interacting with that because that doesn't help me. It's just anti recovery. I don't know, like just being like, well you know, your recovery journey doesn't look like mine and I'm pissed off because you're not doing it right. And it's just like, okay. And you know what that is? That sentence, your recovery doesn't look good because it's not exactly how I want it to look. That's the sentence. What you just said, getting curious is so beautiful because that's exactly it. It's a willingness to let go of how we run our lives and how we think the world should be. And this openness to at least even if you don't agree, at least trying, at least listening. That was my whole life. I just, it's almost like there was earwax inside my ears to the point where I couldn't hear the world around me, even see it. I might as well have been blind. It's, I love that word, anti-recovery. It's, it's like it's anti-recovery because, so of course you're going to split because if anybody says anything that isn't on your agenda or isn't something that you agree with or think you th you're in a reactionary mode because your nervous system like peaks up right away and you're going that's oh it's a threat it's a threat it's not how i feel it's not what it looks like it's a threat but it's not actually a threat it's just something that is new it's a new thought it's a new feeling it it's not necessarily what you're used to Sometimes my husband says to me, and I don't even realize because he's like, I, it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm just talking. I'm just saying something. And I'm like, oh, right. He's just, he's just saying something, you know, but because I'm hearing it a certain way, or it's not something I think he should be saying. And then I have to slow down take it back, reel it in, and then respond. And splitting is such a bigger thing than we even know in our lives. You know what I mean? Because splitting goes to communication. You know, splitting goes to just the way we think, like our black and white thinking. 
you know, when we, we talk about when I learned to stop splitting, but I don't think we ever really learn like to fully cut that out until we learn ourselves fully. And that's a constant process. I think we don't talk about that enough with BPD. That's something for myself where I still battle with that after eight years where I'm going, oh, hold, oh, hold the tongue, you know, because everything is in your tongue and in, in your communication. Yeah, it really like doing a lot of self-reflection and introspection, really taking the time to think, OK, what really resonates with me? What what doesn't resonate with me? It doesn't happen overnight. Like I've had a lot of thinking to do over the last I've been diagnosed for four years and I I've had a lot of differing opinions, like my opinions about myself and about my diagnosis and about my mental health struggles have evolved. They've changed over time. They have not remained the same and they're not going to be the same forever. They're an ever changing thing depending on where I'm at, like on my journey. Was there a point where you really, really did reject this diagnosis? Like, were you resentful of it? Was there a point where it was really not helping you and and you needed something else to move forward in your recovery? Like, what has that looked like for you specifically? There's never been a point where I've rejected the diagnosis, but there's been a part, many points in the eight years I've rejected myself. And I've rejected life and I've been like, fuck life. When you're a child and I think children with BPD were creators, right? We have lots of dreams. Like some of us want to be famous. Some of us really want to be seen. Some of us want to be heard. Some of us want to be singers or actresses or dreamers. And I always talk about when you really, really want to be seen or heard, or you have these goals and dreams, the truth is you really just want to see yourself this whole time. You really want to see who you are. You start waking up and you start realizing this whole time that you just wanted to see yourself. You start being like, no, you know what I mean? Like, what's something I want to do that's attainable, realistic and loving, and that actually supports and makes me happy because it makes me happy. It's not something that was shoved in my face throughout the years when I started growing up and that the rest of the world you know, is validating me. It's something that I can validate myself for. When I start rejecting myself, it's because this is a reactionary response to what I've always done my entire life. And so I started to have to find myself because I was never taught how to find myself. Instead of me being like, I reject the diagnosis, it was more I've rejected myself my entire life. And I've had to learn a path back to myself in the last literally four years. And I've had to learn what does it look like to accept life, not just the way life would look for you, but what does it mean to like find who and what Mel is and what actually Mel fucks with and who and Mel is on this planet. Yes, there are days where it's so hard, you know, it's really hard to get tripped up on those thoughts. Those days become days. Those sometimes of those days are just hours, but they're not weeks anymore. They're not months. We're creatives. We're people who I, this is something I always say my grandmother suffered, Ray, with bipolar and my sister suffers with bipolar and BPD. 
I named my dog Mr. Ray, but I always say we have to find our ray of light within this darkness, because if we don't accept that there's darkness, we'll never get to that light. I find the people who don't even know what light feels like, they've never even understood the darkness. Like they don't walk, they don't like in the darkness, they don't cry, they don't feel things. They don't, they're not sensitive. They don't get it. So it's like, yeah, we have this ugh, emotions. Yes, we have this disorder for some people. They don't like that word. Yes, we have these feelings. But sometimes you're like, would I push that away? I wouldn't. Because then what are we left with? George, we're just left with what? Use it. It's like we're given this life, then we can use it to get to that lightning and to spark it and ignite it. It brought you to this podcast. It brought me to you. It brings us to things. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because BPD, has the fact that there is a name for this collection of symptoms, that's all it is, just for communication, easier communication sake. That's literally what a diagnosis is. That's all it is. It's not a judgment of morality. It's not a judgment. It's just a name for a collection of symptoms for easier communication so that I don't have to go to you and be like, hey, do you also struggle with chronic emptiness, fear of abandonment, <laughs> um, inappropriate and intense anger, and like chronic suicidality? Who the fuck says that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, so I digress. The name for this collection of symptoms has helped me to connect with people that I never imagined that have brought me such fulfillment. I have found my people. I have found people that get it, that I can be my unapologetic self with, that I have really been able to cultivate a sense of community and healing through community is, has been like, I have not been able to heal and, and, and be on this journey alone. I, there is no way I could have gotten to the point that I have gotten to entirely by myself like on Avery Island and so uh, that's why I am just I don't reject the diagnosis that's why you know I I'm not necessarily like I love having BPD it's not that I, I just feel grateful that there is a name for the struggles that I've had for so long and that because it is common enough to have a name that I can find people on the internet. And it's basically just been like, hey, who has BPD? It's, Anyone? I know. And then thousands of people are like, yeah, same. Oh my God. And we're all here and we're, we're talking about it. And there are just countless support groups. There's countless creators. There's countless things out there now because of the fact that there's a name. I know there's, it's so funny. There's a Thai expression, it's same, same, but different. And I don't think you can be in a conversation, in a group with people with BPD and not go, yep, I understand, been there, get it, relatable. Oh my God, Ugh. And also there's this joint, I wanna cry, I wanna give you a hug, I get it, I feel that, oh my God, yes. There's not a moment where two people who both have BPD don't feel that same feeling or just like totally gravitate towards each other. And even if they don't love each other or like each other, the minute they both start talking about their experiences, it's almost this simultaneous like, 
we both lived that at one point in each other's lives. And so I think it's, we speak, and I always say this, we speak a special language. And so no matter what, like, it's like we all have lived a thousand lives and nobody talks about this special language, but it's this really unique, exactly based off those symptoms, you're talking about it, based off that one word, sorry, BPD, that it's just like, I get it. And you don't have to say much more. And that unique community feeling and expression, it's like, I just, I'm here for you. You're not alone. And that's why, like, even just being here today with you, it's like, I wish so much more connection over competition, over social comparison, over threat. Why would we try to shoot each other down when we already feel so much pain every day within ourselves? You know, it's already so much fucking shit that our brains are beating us up with. Why the hell wouldn't we be here for each other? And it, it may sound cheesy, but it's not. Because it's like at the end of the day, we are aligned in spirit, body, and mind because we all have this grueling thing. And so I'm always talking about the fact that we fight. We're actually fighters. But nobody talks about how much we actually go to war with our mind. At the end of the day, it's like we all have things as individuals that we wake up with, whether it's BPD, whether it's, you know, and so if the community could understand that, you know, and each one of us could just connect and sh like show up for each other. Growing up, I was, I wasn't shown that. Um, I come from a very structured background, very money oriented, very in the, and those can drive competition. Those can drive pressure. And with that being said, it's very individual capitalist world right, type societies. And for me, that's not who at my core, my heart center, as we talk about, I am. And I think at the core and the center of BPD, the identifiable, beautiful parts of people with BPD is empathy. It's compassion. It's love. You know, I think the biggest myth of people with BPD is that we want to hurt other people. We're hurting ourselves. Like when we slam a door, it's because we're so sad. When we hurt ourselves, literally self-harm is because we're trying to take away the pain our brain keeps shooting into our, ourselves, you know? And, and that's the truth. The manipulation, the tactics are all ways of somebody trying to get somebody to love us more because we don't know how to love ourselves. And so if God only knew, <laughs> for the love of God, if anybody actually understood the rage, all these things are, those are secondary emotions. Primary emotions are how you really feel. The secondary emotions always come out. So if we talk about emotions, like your secondary emotions, rage, you know, real anger, all these, the slant, all that stuff comes out when your real emotion just can't come in. So when you learn the real emotions, you're really sad, you feel shame. You just want to be seen, like I said. You just want the world to hug you. But, you know, that's the, the truth. Yeah, it's a rocky road at first. Like, recovery is not an easy thing, and it doesn't come overnight. I used to think that recovery, I had, I kind of gave into this recovery fallacy where I thought that recovery looked like never feeling like shit ever again. <laughs> never fucking yep. up ever again because I'm also a perfectionist never fucking up ever again being entirely just um, a calm and collected 
zen person all the time, unbothered. That's not realistic. And that's not what recovery looks like. And, you know, I know a lot of people will throw around the term like, recovery's not linear. Okay, what the fuck does that actually mean, though? <laughs> like, what are you saying? Yeah. Like, what do you mean it's not linear? It's like, here's what this means. It means sometimes you're going to fuck up and it doesn't mean that you're not on this journey. And it doesn't mean that you have to start all over. And it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It, it doesn't mean this. It, it just means like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have a bad day. Sometimes you're going to be on your couch wanting to die and you don't know why. Yeah. You don't understand why. Sometimes it does mean you might have an outburst because your needs aren't being heard and you don't know how to express them. And it doesn't mean that you're a piece of shit. It doesn't mean that you're not in recovery. It doesn't mean that you're never, ever going to feel good again. It just is. You're just having a moment. Like you're just, it's fine. We need to, we, I love that. We need to normalize all of that. We need to normalize that recovery just because I'm going, I'm not, you know, where I want to be yet that I'm at the beginning. Sometimes for some people they go, I'm too old. I am too stupid. I'm too BPD. It's never going to be what I thought it was. So what the fuck's the point of even trying? And this, this becomes the autopilot behavior, habitual thinking that you live in every single day. And so what that happens to do is you become in this hopeless state of despair and you live in that every day. I was so angry at my thoughts for so long. And I was living in those thoughts, like for literally ever. I was like, I am my thoughts. So I am not enough. I am stupid. I am, I am BPD. And then I lived in autopilot for a really long time. And the long time turns into what's the point. And that's what hopelessness is and despair. And you can have a day, a week, a month. You can have seven years. If somebody's listening to this right now and you feel like this for like seven years, I would need you to understand that that's okay. People think, oh, well, I've been here for seven years. What the fuck's the point? You know, the point is you. You're the point and you're going to move the easel and it's better than just sitting there and thinking about it. You're going to do something. And it's really hard. I understand that, but everything's fucking hard. Even sitting there and thinking about it is hard because you're exhausting yourself because your brain moving is a lot harder than your actual physical body. Do you know, we exhaust ourselves thinking like thinking is an exhausting task. It actually physically exhausts your body. And I never knew that. You know, we think and we think and we think and then we think and we think some more. I never realized how much time I spent thinking. What I really want for people, another hope of mine is that instead of talking and thinking about it and comparing and wishing and hoping that things get done, it's just the doing part a little bit more. There's a world of people that take a lot of their dreams with them to places like their mind and they don't do them. And they always think that they need other people to tell them. But remember, I, we spoke in the beginning of this episode about that heart center and that intuition and knowing and they can know what they're good at. It's just tapping back into that. I really like when you said you are the point. What is the point? You. There, 
it's not even there is no point like if that nihilism helps you that's fine but like (laughs) you are the point you this is about you this is about your recovery journey this is your moment that is that is the point and you are the point I was talking in a group this week about purpose and everybody got so overwhelmed. They're like, what the fuck purpose? And I know why they got it. It's a big word, a big motherfucking word. Yeah. Every person with BPD will go, oh my God, because everything, every single time someone brings up the word purpose and even motivation. And anytime I'm talking to people, here we go with self-worth. Here we go with the thought about career. And here we go with the thought about being a big somebody. Again, everybody goes, I need to be seen. And it goes back to this wanting to be seen by everybody else, but never seeing yourself. And the point of life is for you to connect to what makes you spark a light within yourself. Don't just do things to be seen just because you think what you think, what you think, because the world told you to do that. That's not living. Live life when you tap into your heart. Explore it. Try to find something that makes you tick. And I never realized that because, again, this like life and this pressure kept getting to me. And I realized that I lived in this approval, this approval to be seen because I thought it would fill the hole within myself that I fucking hated. You know, I was like, oh, I don't like myself. So maybe other people loving me will be great. And damn, it's still not great because if they love me and I don't love myself, there's still a hole. And it just doesn't work that way. And I'm not telling you in this podcast episode, go love yourself. No, I'm sorry. That doesn't work either. That's toxic positivity. Uh, You can't just. No, you can't just love yourself. Just love yourself. Yeah, go and love yourself, everyone. No, but I am telling you that the reason your life is for you is because to live in that moment for you means that exploration that you're never going to feel that moment. If you don't feel like actually in your body and you enjoy it, like if you're out at a dance class, let's give an example, whoever's listening and they're like, I really like hip hop dancing, but you haven't hip hop danced in six years. Go try a class. If you're scared, do it on a YouTube video. And if you're like feeling yourself in your basement, I'm talking about myself, as you can see, and you're like dancing and you're like having a really good time, do more of that. Not because you have to put a post of it on Instagram so that you get 400 views and six likes because Tony133 is like, cool, you've got good moves. Do it because you actually fucking enjoy it. And then you'll notice that enjoyment will give you more flow in your life and you can do more things you enjoy, equaling more self-love, equaling that's what it is. Sparks on sparks of light. And I think we live in such a world where we're doing so opposite of that and then we're depriving ourselves of that love. And yes, we've got a lot of symptoms with BPD, but the one thing that we do have is like that. We have that creativity. We have that love of light, but we don't do enough of that. That's the doing, remember? So the thinking, if you're doing you, life is for you. You know, life will go, life will go full circle back for you. And I started realizing how far away I was from me because everything was doing everything to get something from a bad motive. 
And that was because I wasn't taught. I wasn't like received. I wasn't loved. I wasn't held. You know, a lot of parents do what they do best, you know, because they are exactly the same. When you start figuring out that, that famous piece, that scene piece, a lot of that has to do with like you being like, okay, it's about me now, like in my life, you know, and everybody else is walking around with that shadow that keeps beating them up, you know, and that shadow we call darkness. We can call them all different things. That shadow is going to keep beating you up your whole life because that's just a healing process. And for me, my shadow is a whole, whole different bunch of things beating me up. Oh, oh, Melanie, I'm coming to get you. And we all have different shadows, you know, but that wanting to be seen, it's not always wanting to be seen different. We all want to be seen in different ways. And when I say we want to be seen, whether do you need a hug right now? Do you need therapy right now? Do you need to dance it out? Like, what do you need right now? Because for me, I fucking needed a lot of things and still do. (laughs) And I'm figuring it out, right? Yeah, like we're never going to have it all figured out all the time. (laughs) No, But like we're getting better and and I'm I'm getting better at figuring out, okay, what do I need right now? Like a lot of the time it's like I need a really good sleep. Most of the time what I need is just like the no think time. I just need Avery time. I just need to do like I just need to fuck off and no think. And that's probably why I enjoy gardening so much is because I'm when I'm gardening, I'm barely thinking. I'm all I'm thinking about is like, oh, man, this flower is going to look so dope. This flower is going to look so pretty. And like, oh, my God, these these plants look how happy these plants are. Yeah. You know, it just feels rewarding. Like if I'm in the zone and I'm making like a little garden, like a little terrarium, I like to do that, too. I bought like fairy garden stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, this is nice. Um, I'm just in the zone being like, oh, this would look really nice here. This would look really good. And I'm not thinking about like, oh, I can't wait to sell this. I can't wait to whatever. I'm just thinking like, I just need to do this. Okay. I just, I just need to know, think and just make something nice to look at. And this is soothing for me. That's all I need. That's what I need right now. It's different if you're like proud of your garden and you're like, hey, all my friends and fam, look at my garden. And then you go away from your phone and go back to your garden or yeah, you're that's not, literally what I did. Yeah, or you're not watching, <laughs> you're not watching the views, you're not watching the comments, you're not lurking and checking all the other gardening sites and being like, oh no, Becky one five six is garden so much cooler. I gotta take this down. And yeah, you know, like it doesn't become this thing where you're not connected back to yourself with your garden, where you can't garden anymore, and it's now your garden's turned into this thing where you can't garden anymore, and. I think that, again, if we could think about the word motive versus just having fun and just in flow, and I think that that's the difference. And I think it's become this this piece of, you know, your heart center, which is so important. And a lot of people don't give themselves that credit with BPD, that we do have that trust and that, you know, intuition and that note that we do know when things don't fucking feel good. We do know when things aren't right, but we don't tap into that enough. And we're tapping into autopilot, like living on autopilot instead of actually like jumping out of that and going into the doing and living part. And I spent a majority of my life in the clouds 
And the issue with even cluster B is like this glamorization of the dream of it versus the doing of it. And it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of time. It takes one project, one hour, one week, one essay, one assignment. Why do you want to do it? That's the question. Why? Because it's you. You against you, you matter. This is your life. And the truth is once you push past some hard breaking points and all of this, it's fucking awesome. Cause you show yourself and you surprise yourself that you can. It's so many people like, I can't, I'm like, yes, you can. Like you really can. And that's the weirdest part. Even I've said the word I can't in the past nine years, probably a thousand and fifty times minimum. Like, I can't tell you how many times I said I can't. And I've had to pull my ass off that couch a thousand times. I have to pull myself up, literally pull myself up. And it's so fucking hard. This time last year, I was in my studio apartment in Toronto. And I couldn't, I I was having such a hard time waking up every day. Every single day was the same. It was taking me hours and hours and hours to work myself up, to get out of bed, just to go and walk to the cafe near me to get a coffee. I was constantly, like, I was wondering, like, what the fuck do I even do right now? Like, I quit my job. I'm running out of money. How am I supposed to live in Toronto? What am I even going to do? I was seriously at like this stagnant, like I had no motivation. I did not know what I was doing. And I kept telling myself, like, I can't make a podcast right now. I can't create the things that I want to create. I can't do the things that I want to do to be able to be the person that I wish I had when I was first diagnosed. I can't do this. What do I need to do? Like some, like what I wish someone would just hand me the answers. I wish someone would just hand me, like someone come in, just take care of me. And I'm not saying that I had to do this all myself, but the best thing I did for myself was fucking ask someone else for help. Someone I asked, I, the, the most important thing that I have ever done for myself time and time again has been asking for help, not relying on myself, but has been asking someone else for help. And I don't mean like, asking my best friend or whatever like hey can you lend me $5000 to be able to follow my dreams it it's not that it's what asking for help looked like was i need to find a doctor because i need a medication to help me with my depression so that i can live my life i can like get out of bed at least i need to be able to get out of bed so i can do things so how do i do that i'm going to it's true it's it's seriously just one single step everything that's worth working toward is it it's doesn't happen overnight it doesn't take even a week it doesn't it it's tiny little micro steps like constantly it's not it's not you stretching your legs over the whole staircase just to get to the top it's you focusing on the step right in front of you and just taking that step and then just keep going it's like my plants they're not going to be flowers overnight they're going to take months they are literally going to take months before I see them bloom and 
that is that was me that i was the seed i'm i i was the sprout even going so slowly it's not going to change your life like in a day but if you have patience and that's another thing with patience of not expectations that hope you know if you keep doing it every day something small it does change it really does melanie i I really want to thank you for chatting with me. This has been super fucking fun. I'm so glad to have been able to get to know you. And before I let you go back to your Sunday, um, where can people find you online? Yeah, so as you, as you mentioned in the beginning, right now I'm on Instagram at Mind Over Melanie. Um, I'm working on some secret projects because I'm so cool and secretive. No, joking. I am working on some secret <laughs> stuff. Um, other than that, I'm working on, on my master's currently to become a therapist. As I didn't really mention that on the episode, but when that comes up as well, I want Avery to connect anyone um, with my website for that because I'll be able to take clients. Um, That's very, amazing. Yeah, and it will be cool because... That would be nice too to take some clients, um, and maybe Avery will be able to recommend me in the future for yeah. anybody who feels aligned. And you know, and I hope that we can connect again. Maybe in the future we'll do another episode. Come back. I think to that'd this. be super cool. Honestly, I, I just had fun cool. hang hanging out. Like, yeah, this has been just lots of really good points. Like, you are the point, right? Um, that's something that will definitely stick with me. I really. So, so thank you for your rays of light. I'm here for it. And I just hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. You too. You too. <sighs> it just felt so good to just finally talk to Melanie and really sit down and get to know her. This was a really refreshing chat. Thank you, Melanie. In the next episode, I'm going to sit down with my buddy Luciano. And we're going to chat about how toxic masculinity can really fuck with men's emotional well-being. And it keeps a lot of men out there with BPD from following their own recovery journey. I can't wait for you to listen. See you next time. Quiet, not silent. We can create a perfect world in our heads.